0: Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review
1: the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And babe, what were some of the things that really jumped out to you from last week's message?
0: I think it was such an awesome message for like our young people that are, our single people, I would say. You know, I just think it was awesome that they spoke about not only like both being Christian, but also in your walk with Christ, where they were and stuff. I think that was very important. Because some of us think, oh, he goes to church, I'm good. Or she goes to church, I'm good. But we don't know their relationship um, levels. So it's really good to be connected and
1: on the same page. Absolutely. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things I got, to was understanding maturity and when you're, where you're at. Because we'll do that. We'll, we'll try to do a quick check off the block. Like, okay, they met that one. Sweet, we're good to go. And people will hop into a relationship but not have the same ambition, same drive, same motivation to pursue all the things of God. And I think that was very important what they highlighted. And one of the things that they were talking about, uh, too, were about the people of Israel in the Old Testament. So after the Israelites, they left Egypt, uh, they immediately began to struggle remaining faithful to God. They struggled in their obedience. Not even weeks after getting free from Egypt, they were already messing up, complaining, whining, all the way to the point where they felt the need to build a golden calf. I don't know how I would feel about that. Like Imagine you go to San Quentin, right, and you said a whole bunch of prisoners free. You're like, y'all ain't got to make Jordans and sneakers for nobody. No more, you're free. They go to the valley, and instead of thanking you who set them free, they build a statue of somebody else. You would feel a certain way about that. So after all that takes place in Exodus 34, God gives them a a, a new law and says, Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. So God knew the Israelites were susceptible to being influenced by outsiders. It wasn't because of race or ethnicity, but he knew, like, you guys are already weak in spirit. You guys made a God all on your own. So I know if you get around the wrong influence and the wrong people, more than likely you're going to fall away. And that was the really big vision behind being equally yoked, is understanding the things that you're allowing into your relationship and into your mind and how they can affect you. You know,
0: when two people come together, um, we both bring stuff into our marriage, you know. Uh, we go through the process of determining if we're equally yoked. And we got to think about, we, we were thinking about this as baggage claim, uh, I mean baggage check at the airport, you know, and this also can relate to you in your relationship with God. You can't bring everything you want to into the destination God's trying to take you. Uh, when you get saved, we begin to this process of eliminating or going through our baggage and seeing what we can take with us. But sometimes we don't do that, so we kind of delay the process of where God is taking us because the baggage is too heavy or it's too much, so we can't move forward. You know. Um, so it's important, I would say this is very important for you to have leaders over you that can help you check your baggage.
1: You know, that's, that's definitely one of the things that we missed. Mm-hmm. We definitely missed that. Um, when we got married, I was 21 and you were 20. 20. Mm-hmm. And you know how we talk about red flags and all that stuff? Yeah, we had like sirens. Caution and tae, horns. Do not enter. all Like these, yeah. toxic. <laughs> don't. Eh, 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 security yeah. guards out front. This is what we look like when we got married. Like, <laughs> like it was so funny. I, that's the day I met her family. I don't know what I was. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that I was? remember. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. Like she told her family I was black, but they, she didn't say like he's black black. <laughs> Like, he's music video black. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm still trying to figure out, like, how I was able to see anything. I wore my hats like that all the time. I, I've been sharing pictures because every time I find a picture, it's just like, bam. And I'm like, how did I see? Like, what was I thinking? Going out the house, like, you put the hat on, like, up. Oh, hold on, turn, drop. Okay, we're good. But, you know, you look at these people, and it's like, they, those people got married five months later. I know some people are like, that's so cute. No, it's not. That's dumb. <laughs> that is so dumb. And it's because you got to take it down. Like, just don't you got to leave it up. <laughs> people out there taking take pictures of this, like, look at our pastors. <laughs> but, you know, we didn't have leaders over us. We didn't have any godly influence or anybody navigating or helping us navigate where we were. We were very much in love with each other. Um. Feelings were running high, and what's funny about the time? So we dated for five months. We just celebrated 13 years of being together on Valentine's Day. I flew from Tennessee to LA. That was an expensive Valentine's Day. That was worth it. Out of my mind. (laughs) (laughs) See, see what, see what infatuation make you do? (laughs) So I flew from LA to. I flew from Tennessee to LA. We started dating five months later. We got married. During the time we were dating, we were only around each other two or three times. Yeah. Because I lived in Tennessee, she lived in L.A., and then I moved to Washington. But we just like, you know, we want to be together, whatever, let's get married. And everybody goes, oh, and I go, dude, that was so dumb.
0: Yeah. I even asked my mom, you, you thought it was a good idea? She's like, no, but you weren't going to listen, so. <laughs> I was like, wow, nobody tried to stop to the-
1: nobody? nobody, yeah, not, it's weird. <laughs> But, you know, it's, if we would have had the leadership mm-hmm. around us, one of the, the things that leaders can do, and this is how they can help you, and this, it doesn't matter where you're at age-wise. I know some people in here are like, hey, I'm older. I don't think I need that anymore. Um, some people, you might be already married and in your relationship. And so I want you to be able to take from this message and say, who's around me that I can deposit this into or I could be a leader for? Because the leaders around you who can provide that godly influence to you, first they're going to help you with your individual development. I cannot stress how important it is for you to grow into your identity being single. Enjoy being single. Like, I'm happy I'm married now. Don't get it twisted. I'm so happy I'm married because, like, it's some weird stuff out there. You don't know who's a girl and who's a guy no more. Noses come off. (laughs) Eyelashes like butterflies. It's weird. Like, it's just too much. But developing as an individual first is so important. Then when you know, like, okay, I identify somebody, they're living for God. They're pursuing the things of God. Now we want to come into a courting and a dating relationship with each other. Place a leader over that to give you guidance with that. You don't know everything about dating. You don't. We definitely didn't. But having somebody who can help navigate and keep that dating, courting relationship healthy is important. Then, you're like, we did it well, we did it right, now we can move into premarital counseling. Because, trust me, there's so much you do not know about marriage. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And like, I wish, I'm like, man, I wish I would have had somebody to teach us and guide us. It would have saved us a lot of headache and a lot of stress.
0: Yeah, um, when we got married, like we were saying, we skipped all of that. Like, um and later we were struggling trying to move forward in our spiritual walk and also in our journey together as husband and wife and it was because we didn't have that accountability nobody taught us how to you know well we're gonna touch on like stuff that from we brought from our past but it was just you know we packed things that we weren't supposed to pack with us we were we were taking advice and doing things that we really it didn't even apply to our relationship
1: yes So the title of this message, you're taking notes, is baggage check. Baggage check. And the first point is this. First point is parental packing. Parental packing. Now, how many of you, you've ever had a bag packed by a parent before? Or you've been a parent and you packed a bag for your child? Show of hands. Show of hands, you packed a bag. Okay. So what do parents do when they pack bags? They overpack. They put so much stuff in the back, it's middle of summer, take your rain jacket. I'm going to Palm Springs, you never know. <laughs> it's two days, why do I have 20 pairs of socks in here? You got to keep your feet dry. Mom, they have food there. No, nope. you, you might have allergies, you need to take all these snacks and all this stuff with you. And all these extra things, and we, they, we pack a bag so heavy, the kid can't even carry it. And, like, I can't take this with me. And all the other kids are looking at them dragging this heavy luggage. Like, we just went to Camp Elevate. And I specifically said, sports bag, backpack. And kids show up with full-on world tour suitcases. (laughs) And they're like, my mom did it. Parents tend to pack in extra stuff. And what's interesting about this, in the same way... Parents deposit a lot of emotional things that are extra and that aren't very helpful to your relationship with your spouse and often your relationship with God, because parents you're you're giving things from experience and both the good and the bad and then there's also the traditions. Yeah. Y'all, my Latinos like yeah we got traditions, mm-hmm. uh-huh, <laughs> and all the different ways that they were taught by their parents.
0: Yeah, you know, for me growing up, um, I grew up in like a traditional Mexican household. Dad goes to work, he provides, he he does, you know, he just goes to work. The mother, my mother stayed home and she did everything else, cook clean, raise kids, everything, right? And so... um, you know, it was just very different. This is what I grew up watching. So when I went into marriage, this was my expectations. I need to have the house clean. I need to have dinner for him. I need to do all these things. So it was like kind of like a textbook marriage. Like this is what I came to. Like this is what you're going to do because what you watch doing, you know. And so my dad, he was very, um, how do I say it? He was like a machismo, macho, you know, like he didn't show emotions. You weren't allowed to cry. You don't say I love, or he would say, you know, I love you because there's food on the table, you know, and so that was me. It was like, okay, cool. Like, he loves me. Okay. And that's what my example was. And then thinking about it, I'm like, a lot of people have the same perspective of God because, you know, they're like, oh, because I'm alive, he loves me. And no, like, if you really dig in and you go and build a relationship with God, you would know that he loves you. Like, he will not only provide for you, but he will come for you. He will bring healing and he will bring restoration. You know, and these things I didn't know because of my, my example of my father, my, my, my parents. I mean, they were
1: great parents, but they were not good at their marriage. Yeah, and for me, it was complete opposite. So, like, I, for as long as I could remember, my parents were separated and then my mother, she passed away when I was 10. So I never really saw a married family on a daily basis. And my example became TV. What I saw TV, Uncle Phil was my dad. <laughs> first things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. For real. But you know, and so I, I drew from TV and movies, this is how a man should be, this is how a husband should be, and that wasn't really helpful to our marriage. You know, even though we did have, we had individual beliefs, I grew up with a lot more freedom and a lot more independence because even though I did have my dad, he wasn't really father. He was more older friend when things were going good. And so a lot of the examples was more so like, you know, when you with a girl, just make sure, you know, you, you wrap it up. <laughs> that, that was it. And make sure you, you talk nice to her. And you're always respectful. Like he gave me some, some good points, but a lot of things were very worldly. Like, and they weren't long-term helpful. And then, you know, we had traditions and then methods of running home. Now, when we first got married, this wasn't even an issue because we were so in love when we were in that honeymoon phase, that infatuation phase, right? Thank God social media wasn't really around back then because we would have been, like, selfie in and up. Like, it was crazy. We were so in love with each other. It really didn't come into effect until we had a child, and now you really have to learn how to run a home.
0: Yeah, that was crazy because, like he was saying, you know, after the, the honeymoon stage goes away, you're like, oh, man, like, I really have to work at this. Like, in bringing a child into the, the dynamics, it was, like, crazy. We were like, oh, my gosh. Like, and then everything I learned from my parents, I tried to mirror in my marriage, and it was just affecting us because I wasn't this affectionate kind of person. For me, it was like, I made dinner for you. I love you. That means I love you, right? Like, and he was like, I just need a hug here and there, you know, like, and I'm like, no, but we don't do that. Like, that's not what my parents did. So why am I going to give you a hug? You know, it was just really hard for me to kind of, because of the example we, I had, it was really hard for me to really know what a marriage was until I started learning what God, you know, what God wanted in a marriage, what he yeah. um, viewed in
1: Yeah, and I know a lot of people think this is crazy, but because I grew up so independent, I didn't need anybody cooking clean for me. When I was in the military, I could do that myself. I've been cooking since I was like six and washing my own clothes around the same age. So I didn't need that. What I was lacking and what I was really drawn to was, because I'm the kind of guy, like, I was I'm going to hold your hand in the mall while we're driving with both our hands on the shifter. And, you know, I got the romantic playlist. I was the hopeless romantic, like, to be honest, like, I, I could write letters and poems. I know you guys look at the picture, like, no, nah, not that dude. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But what I gathered and what I learned from watching TV, a lot of my love and affection was very superficial. Meaning I could only do it if I felt I was being loved. But the true love, the godly love happens is when it happens when we're struggling. What happens when we're not on the same page? We're not vibing. Can I still give you that love? Am I still going to come give you that affection? And I realized later on down the road I wasn't there because that was never rooted into me because that's not what I received from my parents. And from my example on TV. You know, we had to learn what does God want our relationship to be? And how do we model that? Because what we're getting from our parents isn't sufficient enough. Go ahead, read that scripture to
0: So Ephesians 5.31 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 33, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband.
1: Now the purpose of this type of demonstration of love and respect is to reflect how Christ loved the church and how the church honored Jesus. This is the same example meant to be established in the home. Prior to being married, single people should already see this. So when you're single, ladies, you should be looking for a guy who's already doing these things. Not like, let's get together and then I hope he does it. Ladies, I mean guys, you should be seeing a person who's honoring and respecting and promoting that. So as a single man, I should be loving Jesus by my actions and words. That's what Teresa should have been seeing from me.
0: And as a single uh, woman, I should be honoring Jesus with my actions and my words. You know, um, it's in marriage, it's hard. I know Pastor Eddie and Pastor Roxanne touched on it last, um, last week. Where the man is the priest of the home. But if, I'm just going to say this. if the man, If you're the man of the household and you're not following Christ. You're not getting led by our father in heaven. It's going to be very hard. For a woman, for your wife to be like, yes, I submit to you, I honor you, I'll go with you wherever you go. Because it's, I'm not seeing the love of Christ. I'm not seeing, you know, this person that is hungry for God and is going to lead me
1: towards our father. So it's, it it will be, it will be very hard. Yeah, I mean, you have to establish that example through Christ. You know, I know a lot of people in this room, when you go through problems, you hop on the phone and call your parents. Mama, he's doing this. Dad, she's crazy. She's tripping. (laughs) And then the advice sometimes that they give you is not words of wisdom coming from God. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you're bringing in extra baggage into your relationship that is not healthy for you. That actually delays you and delays where your marriage and your relationship would be. Just because they're your parents doesn't mean they're your prime example of how to love your wife. It always starts with Jesus. Jesus is your prime example on how to love your spouse. In addition to the baggage that we bring in from our family and our parents, there's also borrowed luggage. Our second point is this, borrowed luggage. What is borrowed luggage? Have you ever borrowed a bag of luggage from a friend? Yeah. And then in that bag was extra stuff, even questionable stuff, where you got to like, um, uh, pff, my guy, I know you don't wear thongs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to tell me something? You know, or you like you ever put your hand in like the lotion busted in the your bag, you're like yeah, what the heck? You know, that's borrowed stuff. And what I'm think, what we we thinking about behind this is, we're often influenced by our friends, our coworkers, and our peers, and they're putting in their own input into our relationships.
0: Yeah, the things we learn growing up, like at school or past relationships or things, just other people we observe um they connect to our lives sometimes without knowing it they influence our life and you're just like kind of like well I've seen it somewhere this is how it's supposed to be so we really have to be careful about allowing those things to come into your relationship not only with with your spouse, but with God, because some people, you see different people, and you're like, oh, they're Christians, and they're doing this, it's okay, but no, you really have to seek God, and you really have to get to know him, so he knows, so you know what he wants in your life, because whatever he wants for, well, now we're together, but whatever he wants for, you know, Lena, he doesn't want for me, so I have to seek God, and know what he wants for me, individually, Oh, and now, um, okay, so we know the Bible gives us many instructions about the company we keep. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Proverbs 13.20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 22.24 says, don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected.
1: Mmm, <laughs> mm. You know, as, I, as we were going through the scripture and I'm reading this one, it really jumped out to me. And I, and I looked at it in multiple ways. And this is one of the big ways. Is an angry person is an emotional person. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. An angry person is an emotional person. And sometimes we have way too many emotional and confused people in our lives that influence our relationship with God and as a couple. Yeah. Some of you guys the first thing you do is talk to your homegirl when something's off and they're like miss emotional, miss drama, oh my God, you know what that means, right? I can't believe like, the text says okay. Like girl, girl, it says okay. He didn't put no emoji behind that or nothing. And they take it so deep and it's like, yo, it's not that serious. Like it's, it's not that deep. And some of you guys have got these people at work, they're your coworkers. Hyper emotional over everything. So and so got a card and I didn't. Oh my God, nobody likes me here. The whole world is falling apart. Like, um, you're not on Facebook, so we didn't know when your birthday was. That's the only reason I know when people's birthday is. If you're not on Facebook, I don't know. I'm sorry. But we'll take things so deep yeah. and get triggered. So much and driven by our emotions. And then these same people you talk to, you should just end it. You should just go get a divorce. A girl, you should just cheat on them. Mm-hmm. Oh, no! not everybody like, oh, like you know, you guys watch all the same shows. You know what I'm talking about. This is reality. Yeah. These emotional people influence you and make rash decisions. Here's what the Bible has to say about emotions and the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul writes, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you, pay attention to this this sentence right here. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Let that marinate for a second. See, because often when we talk about the flesh, we talk about it in a way that we don't have control over it. But what the word is illustrating here is these are the things that you want to do anyway. The spirit is trying to prevent you from gratifying your desires. This comes from within you. You have to be spirit-led and not emotional-led. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, that includes fornication outside of marriage, homosexuality, pornography, all encompassed in that. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, that's starting fights for my trolls in here. You know who you are, you get on social media just with the intention of picking a fight. I'm going to post this and I don't care what happens. You just want to trigger people. Just be like me on social media. Post memes. Be a meme person. It's so much happier. It's a fun life. Or very fun food like Pastor Mitch. He makes me so happy when I see pancakes with uh, pulled pork in between. Made my day. But some of us, we intentionally go after fights to start. Fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. So, if it's not on the list, but it's closely related to, that means you can't do it. So please don't ask me, Pastor Max, is cocaine that bad? (laughs) I didn't see it on the list. Yes, it's bad. (laughs) Weed's legal now, so can I do it? No. No, you can't. Why? Because it messes with your brain and makes you make stupid decisions. That's why. It's not because it's trying to ruin your fun. 'Cause you're gonna do something dumb more than likely. Like spend eighty dollars on chili cheese fries. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know from experience. I don't know from experience. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you as I was warned before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the spirit but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, the flesh, with his passion and desires. So that's how we separate from our emotional side and be led by the Spirit.
0: We have to be careful because our friends can give us so much of their emotions and frustrations. And it will become toxic to our relationship. And then it will add on to our baggage already.
1: Yeah. You know, growing up... um, I always had like close female friends and no of course growing up I didn't have that parental influence that would later tell me, hey that's going to be a problem when you get married. You shouldn't have female friends that close. And ladies, guys, if you have female friends or guy friends that are your closest person, they're your confidant, it's going to be a problem when you get married, trust me. It's going to be a problem. See I thought by having female friends close, I had the upper hand on my dating relationships. I had the inside track. I can go like what do you guys really want? What's the real score? And it was working out for me great. But here's the problem. When we started struggling, when we started having issues, who am I going to? I'm going to that place of comfort. I'm going to that female friend like, "Hey, this happened. What do you think I should do?" And ever and I'm telling and I'm painting this picture that is negative of my wife to somebody who has no business being around that. And that same person might be in a wrong emotional state and be enticing me to do something else. You cannot have that. I don't care how much you think. And here's what I hear from people all the time. We don't even like each other like that. That's a lie. I'm about to bust that bubble for you right now. One of you likes each other. You might not feel that way about them, but I promise you, ain't no dude doing all that because you're a cool person. You are not that cool. They like you. You hear me? They like you. That girl is not that into Xbox. Yeah, we're not. They're not. She don't care about the rims on your car. She don't. She likes you. You need to keep distance and keep that away from you. Go ahead. Ben.
0: For me, growing up, my friends. Um, well, we. I grew up in church, but we didn't. All my friends and my influence, we weren't really. We didn't have a strong relationship with God, so we kind of went. You know.
1: I was based doing on, wrong things. <laughs>
0: like you know we were doing worldly things but anyways when we when i told them i'm going to get married like they were like dude you're only 20 like why would you do that and so i was like i really love him blah 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 you know like it was just i was i was going to get married and um they were like you know what just go ahead if it doesn't work out you can always come back home it doesn't matter you know there's always a plan b for everything and um some of my friends were came from like um relationships that were so bad and they were so hurt they were they were, man-haters. Yeah, they were man-haters. They were man-haters. You know, and so they would always say, oh, it's okay. It's his fault anyways. Like if I would call them and be like, oh, my God, I feel this. And and they were like, it's his fault anyways. Just, you know, give him a few days. Let him come back. Apologize, and then you'll be fine. You know, and it was, like, confusing.
1: And this is the drama that we allow into our relationships. And yeah. the same way that we allow it into our marital relationship we can happen to our relationship with God. Like when we're struggling, we're going through a hard time. These are the same people to distract you from the things of God. The people who say, well, I don't know why you believe in that anyway. That's why I don't. Yeah. You know, you know he's not faithful. He's not going to be there. And they'll begin to put these things in your mind. And slowly but surely over time, they will start to impact the way that you behave. You know, with my friends that I had, especially being in the military, I never really had a good example either of what a healthy marriage looked like. Military culture, by and large, most people get divorced within the first couple of years because they respond emotionally. Something goes wrong, it's better to just start drinking. It's better to just go out to the club. It's better to go out to a strip club, go hang out in the barracks. When you're a married person, you got no business being there. Um, Do everything but go home and love your wife. Go home and love your spouse. We respond emotionally, and that always led to divorce. And that's what I saw on a consistent basis. And so having all these friend influences, borrowed baggage that we're trying to bring in, choked our marriage. Yeah. And it wasn't until, and this was the breakthrough, is when we became transparent with our pastors. We went to our pastors and were like, we are in so much drama right now, and we are hurting so bad and deciding that we have we want to fight for our marriage cuz you're around people who love throwing you in the towel. Yeah. Cuz that's what emotional response do. Things get hard, you quit. That's what an emotional response is. I can't do it. <sighs> and you quit. Yeah. That's emotional. When you dig deep and you dig down to the spirit, the spirit that gives you power and strength to overcome, you're like, "We have to fight for this." But it required us to first become transparent. And become humble. It goes back to what we mentioned earlier godly leaders. And I know this happens a lot in church is that we look, and this is me being on the other side, for a time I looked at my leaders sort of as authority disciplinary figures. Mm-hmm. And that couldn't be further from the truth. We're not, I'm, I'm not your dad. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I, as much as I wanna take my belt off, <laughs> I'm not. But you know what hurts even more is when people feel like they can't come to us and they can't be honest with us. It hurts me because I'm like, I don't don't want that disconnect because the only way that this works is us depositing and discipling one another. But I can only do that, and I had to learn this because I was so private about my life because of how I grew up and the baggage I was bringing in. I didn't know how to be honest with somebody about what I was struggling with. Thank God for Pastor Mike. Thank God for Pastor Eddie that they were there for me because when I needed it the most, they were able to give me the encouragement and wisdom and the correction that I needed. The correction is essential to your growth, and it can only happen by having that godly figure over your head. Sometimes it might be your parent. You might be blessed with godly parents, and if you do have them, kids, take advantage of that. Because I came up in a house where I didn't have that, and I wish I had it. You have leaders and people around you who want to help, but you got to be willing to go that route and ask for that help.
0: The last thing we want to cover is prohibited items. You know, sometimes we go on a trip. Like for me... I like my water bottle, or I like to bring my own water. And when you have to go through that checkpoint, they make you throw it yeah. away. And then yeah. I have to buy like a $17 bottle somewhere in there. I mean, like water bottle. And I'm like, oh man, that's.
1: Yeah, I, I hate showing up to the airport and they're like, you got to throw this shampoo away. You can't have this, it's too big. Where's your three ounce bottle at? No. I hate the most the small toothpaste, because I got big teeth. <laughs> and like, I ain't got time to pack 20 of these little toothpastes in here. Like, I ain't got time for all this. But, you know, when you go in through the line, what's the first thing they ask you? They're like, do you have any of these things in your bags, right? If you do, you have to what? You got to dump them right there on the spot. Go buy that 18 $18 bottle of Dasani. It's so annoying. But in the same way, when we begin a new relationship as a couple and our relationship with God, there are things that you cannot take with you on your journey that you may want to and that you're holding on to. As a couple, it could be things like this, old pictures, uh-huh, those old love letters that are yeah. sitting in a shoebox in the back of the closet. Man, Chris was so nice, man. I just want to keep it. It was when I was 13. Mm. You
0: know, following people on social media, certain people in your past, mm. just keeping them. I'm just, I'm not going to like their page. I just want to follow them because I know mm. them. And why do you want to know what's going on in their life, right? Mm. <laughs>
1: So here's the thing, with, especially with social media. You know what that person meant to you. You can tell your spouse they didn't mean nothing. You can tell your boyfriend, girlfriend they didn't mean nothing. You can even tell God they don't mean nothing to you. But you deep down know exactly what they meant to you. Oh, you know, it was just a, a crush when we were in high school. as That was so long ago. I just want to know what they're up to now. Oh, no, no, we just used to kick it back in the day. I'm just going to fall. I'm not going to like, we ain't talking to each other. You're trying to cling and hang on to something that has no business being that relationship that you're trying to be in now. And this was something that I struggled with, that I held on to because I grew up with the the biggest influence and part of my life was my friends because I didn't have a healthy home. So my friends meant the world to me, guys and girls, and I wanted to hang on to them so much. And some of them had a deeper meaning to me more than just, that's just my friend. And I kept them, those things around. But in addition to those things, there's other things that we hold on to and we try to bring into our relationship, such as bad habits, such as selfish behaviors, stubbornness, and probably worst of all, pride. You cannot take pride with you on your relationship with God and not in your relationship with your spouse. You know, this happens so much in relationships where people get into arguments and disputes and they want to be right more than they want to be correct. You can thank Pastor Mitch for that line. I told you I was going to use it. I was going to find the proper time to use it. So here's what this means. It's like in an argument, I'm trying so hard to win and so hard to be right, I never stop to think, am I even correct? Wow. Did I go Google this to make sure? Because when you're so sure about something, you will fight to the death. Yep. And then when you're wrong, you're like, I ain't admit nothing. I ain't saying a word. <laughs> I'm going to delete this. I'm going to go to Wikipedia and change it myself. <laughs> But in relationships, we want to win so much. But we forget that when the two become one, if I win and she loses, does anyone win? Mm-hmm. No, we both take that L. Yeah. We both take that L. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 9, 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. You know, when I was 21 and we got married, I, I didn't see how stubborn I was. Like, how much being right meant to me. Like, I have, even in in times when I I am correct, (laughs) but sometimes when you're correct, you need to learn to let stuff go. It's not that deep. Mm -hmm. That's why the whole series, it's not that complicated. Mm -hmm. Some stuff you just need to let go. But for me, I, like, if I know I'm correct and I'm right, I'm like, no, you have to see what I see. It has to make complete sense. And as a 21-year-old young man, you don't get, for a woman, it doesn't matter. It matters how she feels. And I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> Facts make sense. <laughs> math is math. That's how we we'll be at home. But then like I, I didn't understand, like I was always trying to give my two cents, cause sometimes she would come home from work or whatever thing, and she just she just wants to vent. But I'm trying to solve the problem. Cause I'm like, this is not even worth a 20-minute talk. Like we can end this like I already got the answer loaded, and I'm like, "Boom, do this." She's like, "No, it's not that." I'm like, "Yeah, it is. No, it's not." And then we're we're at a loss with each other, and then she gets mad and she gets hurt. You talk about your stubbornness. What? <laughs> I was oh, not don't, stubborn. Oh, don't don't <laughs> no. don't.
0: I was very pride. Well, yeah, stubborn too, but very prideful when I yes. come into, when I came into our yes. marriage. You know, um, like I said. Growing up it was I was in this household. I never like saw my parents like say I'm sorry to each other or anything like that. So when we got into an argument, we never we never got into like heated arguments. Like we never screamed at each other. It was always quiet.
1: Silent assassin yep. arguments.
0: <laughs> so it was like, okay, either okay, he's wrong or I'm wrong. Whatever the case was, you're still getting the silent treatment. I'm not talking to you till the end of not even the end of the day. Tomorrow, I will give you a morning kiss and, hey, honey, how's it She would act like nothing happened. Yeah, and that's who I was. And I
1: hate that <laughs> so much. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. You ain't going to do all that wrong stuff if we ain't going to have a discussion about this.
0: I said, you, you want me to be quiet again? And then she'll go silent again. <laughs> yeah. So I really, ah! <laughs> I really had to.
1: You guys wonder how I got anyway. so big? I was skinny in that picture. <laughs> Whatever. That's me going to the gym because I was so frustrated. He's got to lift this out. Well, but. for
0: me, it came to a point where we were in this uh, point in our marriage where we we did not like each other at all. And so we were just basically roommates. We would, like, you know, get up, do our thing. We had Malachi already, so it was kind of. And so I remember just saying, there has to be more to life than this. I saw my parents go through this, and it sucks, you know. Like, I didn't, I didn't want the same. So I remember just praying and asking God, like, And I still pray this, not only towards Max, but towards my kids. God, make me the wife that Max needs. Because only God knows how to love him. And so now he can teach me. You know, and for me to break my pride, I had to humble myself. And it was so difficult. And I remember just praying to the Holy Spirit, convict me. Every time I'm wrong, just convict me. And so I remember, like, we would have arguments and I walk away and I'm wrong. And then the Holy Spirit would be like, you need to apologize. I'm like, Nope.
1: (laughs) Come on, and I Jesus, just keep talk walking,
0: to her. And then the Holy Spirit would be like, No, you need to apologize. And so I would have, I'll be like, Fine. And I would walk around and go back to him. And I'd be like, God, I don't know how to apologize because I never heard that from my family. I'd never heard that. So I, I didn't know how to do that. So God really had to teach me to humble myself and teach me how to be the wife that Max needed. So um, Proverbs 11.2 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom.
1: Yeah, and, you know, pride is what nearly destroyed our marriage. Mm -hmm. See, because I didn't address an insecurity that I had, I acted out of emotion, which led to sinful behavior. Now, in 2010, I came back from Afghanistan. During the course of this time, right before I left, about a month before I left, we had Malachi. And so over the course of the year, Teresa was a brand-new mother alone. And I was on the other side of the world, dealing with everything I was dealing with overseas. Even though we talked to each other during that time, we spoke frequently, we were two different people when I came home. We both changed. And I didn't, when you're so close to the change, you can't see it within yourself. I didn't see how much I changed. That I had become very militant in the home, where things had to be dressed right, dress. Because, like, I come home, it's this is one-year-old kid running around the house making a mess. And I'm like, Yo! Let's get the squared away. <laughs> About to have everybody in the front, lean and rest, doing push-ups in this house. <laughs> but you know, I, I was just, I was a lot more intense. I was a lot more aggressive. I saw it later. I didn't see it at the time. And because of my behavior, it put a, her at a distance. Because when I'm now when I'm trying to come around to her and be nice and affectionate like I was before, now she's pulling back. And she's resistant. So our intimacy, both emotionally and in our communication, dwindled greatly. Now I'm tripping out. I'm like, yo, what the heck is going on? Why is she acting like this? So I go to my friends, my boys in the military, yo, what's going on? Because all my friends, like, you guys got the best relationship because we're all lovey-dovey. It was always fun, always good stuff. And now we can't, We like, it's weird. And so I'm telling them this. They're like, dude, not to put anything in your head or nothing, but, you know, you ain't no telling who she was with when you was gone. Now I know you guys are like, yo, that's shady, they shouldn't do that. But here's the reality in the military. Guys were having this happen to them while overseas. But yeah. they would be on social media and see their wife with somebody else. They would come home to women who are pregnant with kids that are not their own, yeah. in their own unit. This was a regular thing. This is the culture of things that would happen. So it wasn't so far-fetched for them to say it. And they were just like, yo, I'm just looking out for you. You're my boy. I don't know, but that's possible. But what I should have been doing is going first and foremost to my leaders, my pastoral authority over me. I should have been humble enough to admit that I'm hurting. But I didn't. My pride was so big, and I wanted to protect my ego. Because of how I grew up, I was like, I'm not going to allow... Whatever she's up to, I let that thought get in my head. I'm I'm not going to let that get to me. I'm not going to get hurt by this. Instead, I'm going to go to that female friend who was showing me attention and stroking my ego. The one who said, you deserve better. The one who said, I would never treat you like that. The one who said, you're a hero. That's who I'm going to talk to. Because they made me feel good. They fulfilled an insecurity that I had when I couldn't just flat out admit and be humble to say, I'm hurting I miss you. I need this affection from you. I didn't know how to communicate that. And that's where pride got in the way. And in the same way, it gets into our relationship with God. Where you're hurting and you're struggling and you're trying so hard to prevent that and show that you're not hurt. God can't help you. Because you're like, I got it all under control. I'm going to do what's necessary for me. I know the right way to do. I can handle this. But God is looking for humble hearts humble hearts and thank god like just like the word says things that are done in darkness will come to light and i'm thank god that it did come to light prior to it becoming something worse but then it put us like now we're really gonna have to fight for this marriage and over the next four or five years it was some of the most challenging years that we went through
0: yeah for for me when he came back from war like he said i had been a single mother for almost a whole year so my whole world my entire like world was malachi i was a mother that was it that was my identity that's what i took and that's who i was and so when he comes back i'm like oh that's right i got a husband now like he has to come into this mix and for me it was so difficult because I, like I said, watching my parents' marriage, my mother, her kids, us, we were everything to her she she had God was first, then her kids, then my dad, if she felt like it, you know like and so it was really hard when he came back and he was going through all her his mental stuff that he went through because of war, you know, dealing with all that, having to come home and and just we became so. Distant. distant, and I remember asking myself, like, who is this guy? Like, I don't even know him. Like, really, it, it came to that point where he was such a stranger, and and like, it it was so hard for us to just come back together. And I remember just thinking, like, God, like, why? Like, should I leave? I remember praying, like, God, I I want to leave because this is not working out. And then after our trust was broken, it was even harder for us to try to come together as one. And, um, you know, God is just so good because even like for us, when we lose ourselves, when we don't know where we're going and we feel like, oh, man, I'm a totally different person now. God's love is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will take you back and he will restore you and bring... Bring you back to the place where you're supposed to be, you know. But we have to surrender ourselves to God. And I had to learn how to love Max, this new Max that came back from war. This new Max that needed a total different love from me. And and that was difficult in itself. But I thank God for his wisdom because that's the only way we were able to be here today. You know,
1: to sustain a marriage or any relationship for a, a long period of time is learning to love each other through the transitions. You're going to change. You're gonna change as people, like we are not the same human beings we were 13 years ago. No. Thank God. I would be broke on hats right now, like just out of control. <laughs> but you change, and I didn't know how much a pregnancy and birth affected her from being a working in independent person to now my responsibility and energy is all towards this child and taking care of this house. And how that affected her, and how it affected her self-esteem, and all these different changes. She didn't know, because I, I, I had no way, how do I talk about what I went through at war with her? And I'm trying to protect her, and I'm telling her everything's okay. And so you got two people who are quiet who don't know how to communicate about what's happening internally. Again, this is where leadership helps. Yeah. Pastor Mike and Didi, Dee, Dee, God knew exactly the people we needed. Mm. A retired military couple who just happened to be our pastors. Who can navigate us through the hard things. And this whole thing, this whole clash that we had came down to the baggage we were bringing in. Her baggage from her parents and how she observed relationships and all her friends and all that stuff. My baggage from not having a neglect and all these things. So she had a lot of bags to bring in. I brought in a small bag, but what I was carrying was very heavy. Right? Because when you go to the airport, and what happens when you're overweight? You gotta pay, right? You gotta pay even more. And it costs way too much to get on planes nowadays, anyway, which isn't fair, because I did see them put a space shuttle on a plane, so I know my bag don't weigh that much. Anyway. <laughs> you gotta think about this, what you're trying to bring with you on this journey. God's been trying to move you into a destination and to a future, but you're trying to hold on to things that He's telling you to let go. You cannot take this to where He's trying to take you. And I'm gonna get ready to close it if I got the worship team. You know, we like to use this phrase. A lot where we say I fell into sin I fell when somebody falls usually that's an accident I'm I'm gonna break some hearts right now when you are a Christian and you know Christ as Lord and Savior when you sin that's not an accident that's a choice I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's an important one to swallow. See, because if I would have dismissed the thing that I did, not just in my marriage, but the thing I did against God by breaking covenant, and yes, having an emotional affair is the same equivalent as having a physical one. Don't be deceived. Don't think because, well, we didn't do nothing physical. When you give your heart to somebody, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And this is the violation that I committed. But had I dismissed it and be like, oh, it's just an accident, now I'm not owning it. I'm not taking responsibility. I'm not able to look at what's deficient in me, what's broken in me. I'm not owning my failure. I'm not owning my mistake. I can't stand the New England Patriots, but I respect Bill Belichick a lot. Because if they take a loss, he's not blaming the refs. I hate when I see players do that. Oh, refs cheated us because this is what this means it means you're not gonna go back tomorrow and try to fix the holes in your game when you're blaming other things and other circumstances so when we say we fell into sin we're blaming the circumstance and things around us for the actions that we make instead of taking accountability and responsibility for ourselves and saying I'm lacking in something I'm hurt in something failure is not final Failure is not final. The Bible is full of people that have failed and God still used them. Because it's not final. It's when we can go to him and say, God, I am deficient. I am weak here and I need you. I need you. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then I am content with the weakness, the insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God cannot fix what you are not willing to expose to him, what you are not willing to release your pride. It's the one thing. It's the one thing that's blocking you from getting to the destination that God's trying to take you to. That pride, that ego that you're holding on to. All those other things can be moved away easily. But if you've got that weight of pride attached to you, you're not going to go where God's trying to take you. You're going to pay the price. But God's telling us, I don't want you guys to pay the price. My son already paid the price, but you need to let it go. You need to leave those bags. You don't need it to where I'm taking you. Trust me. My wisdom, my love, my compassion, my understanding is all you need for the journey I'm trying to take you on.